0: Bibles with you today. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 40. I'm going to read as my main text just three verses of Scripture. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, Brother Lauren's going to have it on the screen for you. If you will, stand with me all over the room today for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay. So you have to understand that these are the words of David who was the future king of Israel who had found himself in a in an inescapably dark place in his life. Yet he went on in this passage of scripture to testify. He said he brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps he has put a new song in my mouth praise to our god many will see it and fear and trust in the lord i want to preach to you for a few moments today a message the lord has given me i've just simply titled singing a new song If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. God, I feel like the psalmist today when he said, I'm a worm and no man. In other words, I'm nothing, God, without you. And I deserve nothing outside of you. But, Lord, I ask you today for the next few moments that you would anoint these lips of clay to deliver this word. And, Lord, that not only you would anoint... These lips, you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what your word is speaking to us today. And God, we celebrate today what you're doing in the lives of these students. But God, I pray that it reminds us and stirs us uh, and and brings to our memory what you've already done for many of us. And Father, my prayer today uh, mainly is that if there's somebody in this room... Lord, that has not yet accepted you as their Savior. That before the conclusion of this service today, they'll leave this place singing a new song. Glory and praise unto our God. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. In this passage of Scripture today, David was essentially saying in our text, he was saying... God has lifted me up out of this place where my hope was sinking. He brought me up, he brought me out of this place, and he put my feet on a large, firm, and a wonderful place. And that place also came with a new song. Now, I want you to understand this morning, this was not just an audible song. This is not just a lyric and a melody that we're talking about this morning. This is deeper than just words. What the psalmist is talking about is a song that emanates from the very fiber of our being that brings praise and glory to God. But a song that emanates from someone who is fully surrendered to God. See that's one of the first things that we leave out in this modern church world today is many people, and I've shared this with our baptismal candidates today, many people want to claim Jesus as a savior. And that's good because we want to be saved from our sins and nobody in their right mind wants to go to hell, right? We want Jesus as a savior, but to be fully surrendered to God means that we want him to be our Lord. How many knows there's a difference between him being your savior? He's also got to be your Lord it's, it, this song of praise that David's talking about comes from the very fiber of the being of somebody who is fully surrendered to God and we talked about that uh, in my discipleship class this past Wednesday by the way if you're not attending a discipleship class I want to encourage you to get involved there are two adult options to choose from I heard rave reviews about Sister Karen's class our class was wonderful and uh, I, we thought the first count was correct but we realized there were people who were served in various areas of the building that were not on anybody's roster. And so we had well over 150 people in church on a Wednesday night for discipleship. I think we ought to give the Lord some praise for that. And we talked about what it meant to be fully surrendered to the Lord. And David went on to say in verse 4 of this passage of Scripture, if you'll go with me for a few moments, I don't preach like this a whole lot, but I want to expound verse by verse for a few moments. David said, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Now, how many knows in this day and this hour that we live in, there are many voices going on all around us. Does anybody besides me hear all of these voices and all of that racket that's going on around us. And, and in the first service today, Nicholas talked a little bit, he obeyed the Lord after one of the worship songs and talked a little bit about pride. Being prideful sometimes keeps us uh, reserved and it, it, it hinders us from giving the Lord the praise from us individually that God deserves. See, Worship is adoration, but praise is a proclamation. See, I can't praise for you. Uh, You can't praise for me. If you want to, you can worship the Lord just by adoration and adoring Him, but if you're going to praise Him, according to the psalmist, you've got to open your mouth and there's got to be a praise on your lips and lift your voice and praise the Lord. God, what does the Bible say? He inhabits the praise. It doesn't say He inhabits the worship. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. And there's all kinds of voices going on around us. And the pride, many times, of people puts our objectives and our thoughts above the thoughts of God. We think we've got it all figured out. We think we know the answers. But I want to tell you something this morning. God can only speak to people who fully trust him. God can only speak to people who fully trust Him. But He can lift a man, a woman, a boy or a girl as we've seen today out of a place of uncertainty, out of a pit if you will. And He can bring them into a place of stability and a place of provision and a place of blessing and a place where He can use them for His glory. Don't tell me God's not already using these eight that we celebrate today for His glory. Because some of you are only here to celebrate with them, right? God's using their testimony for his glory. The next verse, David goes on to say in verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What David is saying here is, God, you are thinking thoughts about your children. You are thinking thoughts about our future about the plans that you have for every single one of us. See, we've got to remember today, folks, that the plans of God for our life are much better than our plans for our lives. Are you with me? That's why during worship in the first service today at 845, I said now Lord, if you've got, I mean the Lord was moving in this place, and I said now Lord, if you've got something else besides this message that I've prepared, you go ahead and have your way, because I've lived long enough and served the Lord long enough to learn something. God's plan is always far better than my plan and when we allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom I'm about to preach here for just a moment see the problem is today we want to try to plan everything out we've got our agenda we've got our plan we've got everything set in order the way we, way we think that it needs to be done but sometimes the very best thing that we can do is put our plans to the side and say God if you've got something else you'd rather do go ahead and do it because I want to tell you something The Holy Spirit can do more in five seconds Than we can do in five hours Are you with me this morning? That's why it's important that we remember That God's plans are always better than our plans God's plans for our children Surpass our plans for our children We've also got to remember that God's plans Go beyond this world And they go on into eternity God is thinking thoughts about us That don't stop With our lives here There's no end to the thoughts that God thinks toward us Do you know that God has even thought out things that you and I are going to be doing with him in heaven one day Have you stopped to think about that? Uh, many of you may not know a minister that was a part of this church until he passed away a couple years ago. All of his family was in the 845 service today. But Brother Benny Fields used to say something that I never thought I would actually be saying really myself. But this is what he said. He said, Pastor Sean, with every funeral that I, that I do or that I help you do, he said, I get just a little more jealous every time. And I thought, really? But I want to tell you something this morning. When we stop to think about what's going on in heaven versus what's going on in this world. If we could just get a glimpse of heaven this morning, every funeral that we're a part of, of somebody that's a saint of God, would make us a little more jealous every single time. I don't know about you. This word is true, folks, when it says this life is but a vapor. That's why I've told these kids that decision you've made is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. There's a lot of decisions that you might make, but you hear me when I say today, Jesus Christ is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And so David goes on to say in verse 6, Sacrifice and offering you don't desire. My ears you have opened. Burn offering and sin offering you do not require. In other words, listen to me. The psalmist is saying, God, you don't want me. Doing ritualistic religious things. That's not God's plan for us. But he's saying what you do want. God you don't want me to do ritualistic religious things. You don't want me to go through the same old motions. Over and over and over again. And as wonderful as many of those things may be. Those motions that we go through. But what what the psalmist is saying is God. Your desire for me is that my ears would be open." Because we got so many voices going on around us, many times we're we're hearing all of those voices before we ever hear the voice of the Lord. And the psalmist is saying, your desire for me is that you'll open my ears. And he goes on to say that burnt offering or a sacrificial offering as an atonement for my sin, that's no longer required. Thank God for grace. Is anybody thankful for grace this morning? Thank God for grace. I'm thankful I don't have to, some of you would really freak out if you'd leave the no Testament times. I'm thankful I don't have to come in here today with a lamb and lay it up here on this altar and just slice it all to pieces. And then offer it up as a burnt offering to some of you are looking at me like I got six heads right now, and and just uh, offer it up as a burnt offering to the Lord. I'm thankful that we don't have to do any of that today. There was one sacrificial lamb that was sent once and for all, and his name was Jesus Christ, and he died on that cross. And once he was sacrificed, that's the only atonement for sin that we ever need. And the good news about it is, I don't need to come to you for forgiveness, unless now, unless I've done you wrong, but I don't need to. come to you and confess my sins to you I can just go straight to Jesus the word said I can boldly approach the throne of grace in my time of need and thanks be to God his mercies are new every morning is anybody thankful today for the grace and the mercy of Jesus and he went on to say in verse 7 then I said behold I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me The psalmist was saying, you've opened my ears, and I I heard something from you, and I moved toward the sound of your voice. And in verse 8, he said, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. Your law is within my heart. From the time we're children, what do we do in vacation Bible school? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. Say it with me. A lamp unto my feet a light unto my path its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God David said oh my God your law is written on my heart. See, when the Word of God gets inside your heart, whether you have the physical, tangible book, or for those of you that use devices, the device in front of you to look it up, uh, I use devices. But whether you have those tangible things or not, when that Word of God is written on your heart, you don't have to have anything tangible in your hands. The Word of the Lord begins to come to your remembrance in your time of need. That's what David was saying. Your law is written on my heart. Because see, God took David out of this place of confusion, this place of fear and this difficulty, pl- this place of difficulty, by opening his heart up to the voice of the Lord. And David didn't try to figure out it himself, nor did he form a league with a, a bunch of prideful people who resisted the ways of God. He didn't gravitate to the lies about the past or the present or the future. Instead, this is what David said, and this is what we need to be saying in the church today. God. Speak to me. God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. There's a lot of other voices going on, but I want to hear your voice. God, don't let me come to you. This is what we're guilty of. Don't let me come to you just so that I can get my agenda verified. God, I want to follow you. And I want to hear your voice. So want here's where I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning. And I won't be that long. I want to talk to you about... Getting stuck. You and I are living in a similar situation today that David was in at that time And it's imperative that we hear and follow the voice of God But I believe with all of my heart the Lord is calling His people into something incredible I believe that Now, I don't believe that it's just specific, not for one second do I believe that it's just specific to this church I believe that it's for God is calling His people, the church, into something incredible. But I do believe that this church can be a part of it. Are you with me this morning? God's got a path of strength and stability that's set before every single one of us. We can kind of see that path and remember that path today because of the celebration that we've just had. And it's also a path that carries with it a brand new song. Now... In today's time, you know, you've got people of all ends of the spectrum. And I I know that's the way it is, and that's fine. But you've got people who only love the old songs. Don't raise your hand and embarrass yourself. (laughs) Then you've got people who only love the new songs. Then you've got people who like contemporary Christian music. And you've got people who only like hymnals. And you've got people who like bluegrass. Some of you gagged, and some of you was like, yes. And then you've got people who only like maybe uh, Black Gospel, or uh, K-Love, or all of these different things. We've all got different opinions. But this path carries with it a new song. And by new, not necessarily saying it's a different lyric. Because remember, I've already told you, or a different Melody. Because I've already told you this is not a song that necessarily is just about a lyric or a melody. It goes much deeper than that. Can I tell you this morning that every time you remember that God inclined His ear to you as the psalmist said. Every time that you remember that God heard you when you cried as He said. Every time that you recall the moment when God picked you up out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay and He set your feet upon that rock. When you see them come up out of the water and you remember, I remember when God did that for me. Does anybody remember this morning? Every time you remember Remember that, what the psalmist is saying? Oh, I feel the Lord this morning. There ought to be a new song of praise that rises up inside of you every time you recall what the Lord did for you. Because I want to tell you something. This generation that you saw take their next step this morning, they need to see somebody who's on that path. They need to hear somebody. Who's singing that song. Because there's a lot of things going on in this world today. That are competing for their attention. And when they come to church. I'm going to preach to us church folk for just a minute. Sit down and ask. See I also have another profession that I still do three days a week. For 27 years I've been a banker. I think it's either 27 or I stopped counting at 27. But anyway. I've been a banker. And I've had people tell me sitting down in my office, do you know who the worst every server, any servers in the building today? servers, waitresses, anybody? nobody? every server you talk to will tell you, you know who the worst are? church people can I tell you something? when these teenagers that you saw and and younger those younger that you saw get baptized today When they look at people that say they're a part of the church of the living God. They should be seeing a people that are on that path. They should be hearing a song that is coming from those people that is glorifying God. See, in this thing that we call church today, there's too many people trying to establish their own career, their own platform. I've had a career, and I've had a platform. I ain't in this for a career or a platform. If I was, I would have took a full salary, and we probably wouldn't be sitting where we are today. But God's blessed us. I've not taken a full salary, and we're sitting in a wonderful place to worship in today. You know why? I don't say that to give myself any credit. I say that because it ain't about me. It's all about Jesus. And when they look at us, they need to see some people who've had a genuine encounter, an authentic encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, that are the same when you're sitting in these seats as you are when you're at Cracker Barrel or in line at the post office or in the drive through at McDonald's. Some of y'all starting to get nervous on me about right now. They need to see some people who are on that path. And are singing that song of praise to our God In this psalm, David was speaking of being stuck In a particular period of time on his spiritual journey Does anybody here know what it is to be stuck? When I was a kid, we used to have a saying that we said more often About being stuck in a rut Anybody know what that means? See, some of y'all was raised with concrete and blacktop driveways Not me we had a gravel driveway. Anybody have a gravel driveway? And about every three to five years it turned into a mud driveway unless you bought more gravel. Can I get a witness out there this morning? But let me tell you something that can happen in, in a driveway like that. You can have a vehicle sitting there and if you don't have much gravel and that ground gets saturated with water, you end up getting some mud. And you go out there in that vehicle and the weight of that vehicle has already started the tires to, to, to get down below the ground level just a little bit. And they start to sink into what is a rut. And sometimes, if it's got real bad, you can go out and get in that vehicle, and you can try to pull forward, but you can't go forward. And you can try to back up, but you can't go backward. And then before you know it, you keep trying to go forward. You keep trying to go backward. And all you're doing is spinning tires, staying in the same place, digging a big, deeper rut, because you're stuck. Stuck in a rut. David describes this place as a pit. In other words, David's saying... It's walled up before me. It's too high to climb. And he felt as if his feet were in quicksand. And he was sinking. And sometimes in life we feel that way. Sinking deeper, deeper, and deeper into despair. And when you look at the difficulties that these young people are facing in society today. When you look at the things that they are dealing with today. I thought back this week. I went to Knox County Schools growing up. These young people are dealing with having to use the pronoun of choice. Come on somebody. For what somebody says they've decided they want to be. No regard for what the good Lord made them. But what they've decided they want to be. They're taught all kinds of things. And I'm not going to get into it for those that are getting nervous. But all kinds of things that are contrary to the word of God and when I grew up in Knox County schools if we have any Knox County kids here we had a lady from Emmanuel Bible camp her name was Mrs. Walstead anybody know Mrs. Walstead I see some hands in the house this morning. Mrs. Wallstead when I was a kid at school, she came about, I don't know, once a week or once every few weeks, but we called her the Bible Lady. That's what everybody called her. Mrs. Wallstead came in from a manual Bible Camp for no money. She went to every Knox County school there was and the, the, the principals would let her in and she would come into the classroom and she would set up a felt board or a flannel board and had these little felt Bible characters and she would captivate children with the story Of the gospel of Jesus Christ That's the kind of upbringing that I had In the public schools These young people They see so much in society And in the public When they look at the church They better see somebody who's walking the right path They better see somebody who's singing the right song So I'm going to hurry When you look at those difficulties facing society today It's obvious That it causes a lot of people to feel the same way They get stuck And maybe today perhaps some of you are feeling that way too Sometimes we get stuck when things don't go the way that we thought they would We get stuck when there's a tendency in our minds To form a picture in our minds about what our life will look like When we follow Jesus Christ And as I said earlier Following Jesus will be the best decision you've ever made but I'm just going to be honest and transparent with, this, with you this morning and tell you that these people that, that act like because you follow Jesus, you're just blessed and highly favored. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here it goes. This is how you'll know this guy's real. He's human. I just want to slap him. <laughs> I've followed Jesus since I was nine years old, and I've been through a lot in my life. I've lost both of my parents. Almost died myself. But God. But God. God never promised, uh, promised us that following Jesus would always be butterflies and rainbows. But what he did promise is that he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. He'd go with us all the way, even to the end of the world. And sometimes we get stuck when we have that image and we think, Oh, because I'm following Jesus, nothing in my life's going to go wrong. And I'm sure that David kind of had that perception in the beginning when you got to remember the story, and I don't have time to really tell it, but when in, in, in Samuel walked into David's house when they were looking for the next king of Israel Samuel walked into David's house And he poured this horn of oil on his head And he was saying in essence in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13 He said the spirit of the Lord anoints you To be the next king of Israel Imagine that, how awesome is that And the spirit of God at another time Came upon David And David was able to fight in, uh, in a battle That even seasoned soldiers Would not have been able to successfully fight David defeated a fierce enemy And David must have been thinking Man, it just doesn't get any better than this. Yet, even in David's life suddenly everything took a negative turn and David found himself being pursued by a king to whom he was very loyal. And he ultimately ended up in a cave with about 400 discontented, distressed and indebted men who were just gravitating to him. And surrounded by an army that vastly outnumbered him and in his mind I'm sure he was stuck because things just didn't seem to be going right. So sometimes we can get stuck when things don't go the way we planned. Sometimes we can get stuck in the past. See, we get stuck in the past when we think God cannot do any better in the future than he's already done in the past. And so for example, this morning, I want to share with you, I, I'm, I'm going to go on back even further because I could talk about revivals in Kentucky in some of your all's lifespans. I could talk about people that maybe somebody in, or some, several somebody's in the room would know and, and you would have all these wonderful stories. But I want to go back past, anybody here today born before 1904? Let me see your hand because we're going to celebrate you. <laughs> I didn't think so. Let's go back and travel back in time to 1904. There was this little church in Wales where the Welsh Revival I've read about all of the great revivals of history and the Welsh Revival started in 1904 The Welsh Revival was an agent of change That spread Pentecost throughout a good part of the world. And it was also, think about this this morning. Responsible for a great ingathering of souls into the kingdom of God. It is estimated that approximately, listen to this. 100,000 people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. During the Welsh Revival and because of that because that many people came to know Jesus there was such a resurgence uh, throughout it dispersed throughout the Christian church all throughout America and everywhere else and that small church where the Welsh Revival uh, first began was called Pisgah Chapel. It was a very small church with a, na- a man by the name of Evan Roberts, I believe. Uh, I didn't put that in my notes, but I believe that was his name, who started that revival. Do you know that Pastor Roberts prayed earnestly for God to do, that revi- to do a revival for 13 solid years? So don't tell me you've prayed about something for a few weeks and God's just not answering. For 13 solid years, he prayed for that revival and he waited for it to come and then if you read about the history for a year and a half the people of that congregation of Pisgah Chapel prayed for a year and a half for that same revival so that tells me I was encouraged as a pastor I was like my lord it took him 11 and a half years to get him on board and then they started praying with him but then that revival hit and it was amazing what God did but here's what I noticed that church, that small church, Pisgah Chapel is the site today I don't know what time it is in Wales but whatever time their morning worship service is it's a site that today there's a really small still today a really small number of people that are still gathered there and today anything you read will tell you today in their service they will mourn they will grieve they will cry and they will pray and wait for God to do in that building what he did over a hundred years ago and when I think about that here's where it gets me I think about all of the people that have came through the Pisgah Chapel Church since 1904 who have been a part Over the years, who have lived and died since that time, grieving and mourning over that revival that was never revisited. That small group of people that's remained small over the years, uh, I begin to think about everything that they missed in the meantime. Listen to me when I'm talking to you about this this morning. You can get stuck in the past, and you can start grieving over things not being the way they were or over uh, over God not moving the way you saw him move then but they, they have missed so many things while they gathered in that chapel instead of gathering and rejoicing and when somebody got saved celebrating like we are today, they would gather every week. They gather there and they grieve and they mourn and because of that over the years, let me just share a few things with you that they've missed. As they mourn the loss of a past experience, they have totally missed the Billy Graham years when the world's greatest evangelist preached to more people than any preacher of all time. They they miss seeing David Wilkerson get saved and start up Teen Challenge and found the Times Square Church in New York City and multiplied millions of people who have come to know Jesus because of that ministry. And because of that, then they miss seeing Nicky Cruz who was saved under David Wilkerson's ministry. And to my knowledge, Mickey Cruz, once he started preaching and following Christ, has traveled the world. And still to this day, he's known for preaching to more people than any other preacher. He's preached to over 50 million people. What are you trying to say, Pastor Sean? I'm saying this morning, the point of the story is this. We can get so stuck in the past that we lose sight of the future and the fact that God is thinking things about His church right now, today. Stop looking for God to move exactly like He moved X number of years ago and start looking for God to move in a new fresh way and sing a new song for his glory and lastly we can get stuck when the future looks fearful another thing we talked about in my Sunday school class or it's not Sunday school because it wasn't on Sunday, in my discipleship class on Wednesday night, I'll probably always call it Sunday school, but we talked about fear and anxiety, does anybody know what anxiety is, if you were in my class don't raise your hand you're cheating, anybody else know what anxiety is, anxiety the definition of anxiety is worrying about something that has not happened yet and more than likely will never happen. Did you realize that? Did you know that statistics prove that 92% of the things you and I worry about never come to pass? 92% never come to pass. Folks, we can get stuck when the future looks fearful. The present might be dry, but sometimes we get to thinking at least it's safer than what we perceive that lies before us. The children of Israel taken out of captivity Think about that story Led through the wilderness Brought right to the border Brought right to the edge of the promised land Yet they were afraid to go inside You know what they said? They said, at least we're safe here It might be a little dry We're not where we were There's still manna here But in that place God's wanting to take us There's giants over there You know the story, most of you do They look way bigger than we do so what were they? they were stuck they didn't want to go back they were too afraid to go forward because they were stuck they failed to realize that fear is one of the greatest biggest giants of all and so they chose to live longer in a wilderness wilderness experience than what they had to and in contrast the Lord did something for David that brought him into a new level of worship and it produced in him a confidence in God that was transmitted to others. That's my prayer for you and I today and for those that have taken the next step on their journey as David said he took me out of the miry clay he brought me up out of this horrible pit where I was stuck and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. In other words folks God didn't call us out just to have a stand in place instead he laid out a pathway before us and he said this is where I'm taking you. This is what I want you to do this is how my name is going to be glorified. See, you've got to remember, it was in David's future to be the king of Israel. It hadn't happened yet. And not only that, but in David's actual physical loins was the DNA of the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be born from the lineage of David. See, my, my point is, the plan of God is so much bigger than what you and I can understand. And the only way that we can ever begin to lay hold of it is if we allow God to lift us up like David did. And we say, God, my ears are open. And you put in my heart, God, a delight to do your will. So God, even when it looks fearful. Even when the future looks uncertain. God, even when I don't understand the circumstances that are around me. God, even when you are leading me into an unfamiliar place. God, even then, I'm going to serve you. Even then, I'm going to trust you because, God, I delight to do your will. And I know that you're thinking something about me that I've not even thought of or considered yet. Before I close, let me go over verse 5 one last time. He said, Many, O Lord my God, in verse 5, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I want to tell you this morning, God is thinking something about this moment in history. And it's time that we ask God to help us. Help us think those same thoughts along with Him. Because folks, I truly believe the greatest days of the church. And I'm not just talking about this church again. I'm talking about every church in this city. I'm friends with pastors all over this city. And we don't all worship alike, but we're all going to the same place. Somebody say praise the Lord. We need God to move in the church again. Yes. Amen. And I truly believe that the greatest days of the church are just ahead of us. So as they come to the music today, I ask you. Are you going to stay in that rut when things don't go the way you planned? Are you going to stay stuck in the past because the future looks fearful and it's uncertain? Because at least in the present, you've got some sense of security. Or are you willing to do things God's way? Believing that God is going to put a new song in you and cause you to be a part of an amazing end time harvest. That's what I believe God wants to do. I believe God wants an amazing end time harvest. See, when you understand your purpose, folks, this life is but a vapor. When you understand the purpose for which you were placed on this earth, you know what that purpose is? I don't care who you are. To take as many people to heaven with you as you can. That's your purpose. So it's my prayer that we'd see an end time harvest at the Freedom Point Church. At Central Baptist Church. At First Assembly on Main Street. At Harvest Home Church behind Trademark at First Baptist Church by the post office, at Emanuel Baptist Church on Gordon Hill, at New Hope Ministries Church over by the old camp, at Corbin Parkway Church of God, at Grace on the Hill United Methodist Church. It's my prayer that we would see a great, God wants us, regardless of where we're from, to be a part of a great end time harvest. And when our focus is on God's path and on God's plan, and when we remember what God has done in our lives, it'll put a new song in us and can I tell you today these young people do not need to look at church people and see something that is not what it says it is that's a problem with society today but they need to look at people who are singing a new song so before we close today I want to remind you you don't you got to remember you don't get this song by sitting in a pit just sinking further and further into the quicksand, but you get it by opening your heart to the voice of God. You get it by coming before the Lord and saying, God, wherever that kind of song comes from, I want it. I'm tired of singing the song I've been singing down in this pit. See, when you're in the pit, you sing songs like those old black spirituals, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. You have seen songs in the pit that make you feel sorry for yourself. God, I'm tired of singing songs down in this pit. I'm tired of my song being dictated to me by what's going on around me, by the news I hear, by what the other voices are saying. God, I want the song that only comes from you. We need to be a church that we stop letting what's going on around us affect what's going on inside of us. Because we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We don't have to be affected by the things of the world because we don't belong to the world. We're a part of a heavenly kingdom our promise our hope is not in this world it's in Jesus Christ so I came to remind somebody today that when you wait patiently before the Lord God will incline His ear unto you and He'll hear your cry. And listen, when God hears your cry, He'll bring you up. Oh, I feel the Lord this morning. He'll bring you up out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay that you've been living in. He'll set your feet on a rock and He'll establish and order your steps. But when He does, David said there ought to be a new song that comes that swells up from right in the innermost part of your being. There ought to be a new song that swells up. And comes out And that song is a song of praise Unto our God See I can't sing your song for you But I came to tell you this morning Every time you remember That he heard your cry You ought to sing a new song of praise Every time you remember That he lifted you up Out of that horrible pit And he set your feet on a rock You ought to sing A new song of praise Every time you remember that He planted you on the rock and He's ordered your steps so it don't matter what may be going on around you your steps have already been ordered of the Lord you can walk in faith you can walk in confidence and when you remember that it ought to cause a song of praise to swell up on the inside of you I don't know if I have any praisers in the house this morning I've already said it once I can't praise for you you can't praise for me nobody knows what the Lord did for me like me and nobody knows what the Lord did for you like you but can I tell you there should be a new song of praise every time you remember and that's the song I want to be singing that's the song I want to be singing so I want to ask you to stand to your feet all over this room today. And I want to ask us for just, just about 30 seconds. I want to remind you if you're saved. Now if you're not saved this morning this altar is about to be opened. Jesus Christ will be the best decision that you've ever made and you'll make that decision a lot better when you hear some people singing a song of praise I believe that but for the rest of us I want you to think for just a moment don't pay attention to what's going on around you don't pay attention to somebody seated next to you but I want you to remember what the Lord has done for you I want you to remember I want you to remember that he brought you up out of a horrible pit. That he set your feet on a rock. I want you to remember that if it had not been, as David said, for the Lord on my side. If it had not been for the Lord. And I want you to take about 30 seconds and just begin to lift up your song of praise. Just begin to lift up your song of praise. And say, Jesus, I thank you. I praise you. I glorify you for what you've done. Hallelujah! 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 Come on, church. Come on, just lift your voice for us. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now, I'm going to say this, and I promise. I'm going to close. Maybe you've never sung that song of praise before, but today's your day. You can sing. That song of praise that only comes from you for what God does for you. If you've never been lifted out of that horrible pit, today's your day.